Greetings. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host. Our special guest today is Joyce Gerber. Joyce is an attorney, advocate, and writer who has brought her exceptional organizational skills, patience, and compassion to the emergency, emerging cannabis industry. She is the creator and host of The Canna Mom Show, where she is using her unique voice to change the narrative around cannabis and caregiving. When not advocating for cannabis normalization, Joyce has acted with many at community and civic organizations in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where she lives with her husband, children, pets, and several students from the Berkeley School of Music. In her spare time, she has managed a rock band, ran for a local political office, and likes to create beautiful quilts for friends and family. Joyce has degrees from Northeastern University, Tufts University, and Connecticut College. When asked to describe his mother, her son Josh said, she is a force to be reckoned with. So from Cambridge, Massachusetts, Joyce, how are you? Uh, thank you. I'm great. It's lovely up here. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be on someone else's podcast. We're starting up season three next week, September 8th. We're recording our first episode. And um, this is good because I'm feeling a little um, cobwebs getting off of me talking on the podcast world. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> so you're starting season three this month in September. And if folks want to check it out, it's the... T-H-E-C-A-N-N-A-M-O-M-S-H-O-W.com. Yes, it's the Canna Mom Show because it's like the Daily Show. When I started it, it's an interview show where people, you know, I've been speaking with women from across the country internationally now um, who are working in the cannabis industry. And you're on uh, you're on iTunes. What, what platforms are you you're on? We are. Everywhere you can find, everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, we've got it on YouTube now. I think my hosting site is pushing it out. You know, I have the website where you can find all the stories right there where there are blogs and shopped and different things to connect you with this. You know, this we're making a network. This right. is what I think of it. It's like a, you know, it's a spider web across the world of all these amazing women who are doing this because nobody does this alone. And that is what's cool. And that is what I want to ask you about right now. What inspired you to go into the cannabis industry? So I know you can't see me, but I am a middle-aged woman. <laughs> I have two children. I'm a lawyer by training. Um, and so I used to say this is my natural habitat and that I got into here, basically uh, desperation, isolation, and rejection. <laughs> a long, complicated journey to get to be a maternal voice of cannabis. <laughs> That's, you know what? You know, so I was talking with somebody else a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and, and that's a recipe for amazing things to happen, right? Uh, yeah, failure opens up the space for something new. So um, if things had gone as I expected, I wouldn't be here. Uh, when I went to law school, I was in law school, and I wanted to work as a housing advocate. I was working with unhoused families in my 20s, and I was meeting a lot of lawyers who were doing this work helping me. And I thought, hey, I'm as smart as them. So when I was 29, this is true, um, I'm like to my husband, I think I could be a lawyer and we're deciding if we're going to have kids. So I applied to law school and I got in. So I thought I was going to be in the world of affordable housing development, working as an advocate. I'm a sort of a natural advocate. And that was really my plan. Okay. However, <laughs> my third year of law school, I thought I had indigestion, but I was pregnant. <laughs> ah. So although my... Um, my law career is really nothing to speak of, really, but I can say I've done something no man has ever done. I have uh, finished law school and taken the bar exam 
and passed it the first time while also creating a human inside of me. <laughs> that so. is not easy. That is not easy because when that's mm-hmm. happening, it is, it is just amazing how rapidly the, the baby develops in less than a year. It's, it's, it is amazing. So that's, <laughs> people have a hard enough time when they catch a cold. You were pregnant, so, passing the anyways, bar. So that, that's how my journey started basically because I don't know if you know this, but children do not raise themselves. So oh, I'm keenly aware. I got three and yeah. nine and six. Yeah. So um, when I, you know, I am a woman of a certain generation, there was an expectation that I was get my degree. My husband and I would be equal, that we would like go through this life and do whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was never quite sure exactly what I would be, but I knew that I would not be a stay at home mom in the suburbs. And after law school, there I was because I just it felt so personal. And this is sort of my story. It felt very personal that I couldn't kind of keep it together. Like daycare was so expensive and I was a new attorney and I kind of wanted to see my kids sometime and whatever. I just I ended up dropping out of the professional world for about five years in the beginning, which is like it's a death knell. It was like a death knell to your professional life. Is it, and, was um, it that, was it that, go ahead. I'm sorry. What is, so is it, was that, was that tough getting back in or was it? Yeah, it's this whole, I mean, this is sort of why I talk about cannabis as a women's industry and how we have to build it differently from all other business cultures. So the idea is that, you know, you've taken time off to raise children. Obviously there's something wrong with you and you cannot, you, you do not have the value in the monetized world that your brothers do once you get back in. And this is just the story of my generation. Anyway, so I was in and out of work you know, for many years, because honestly, my husband made more money and he always had health insurance. Like if our country had a health insurance, this would be a lot different for women who are trying to do their thing, especially entrepreneurs, which is kind of what I am now. Anyway, so I'm in and out of the world of work. I did practice law for a while. I was a family law attorney. I was a divorce attorney. (laughs) I was terrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But I was just, you know, I was that mom. I was the mom who did the stuff. I ran the PTAs. I was, you know, I did all this stuff. I was basically, I was managing money. I was a fundraiser. I had a lot of skills, obviously, but they didn't make sense on a resume. And the world of monetized work just couldn't figure out what the hell to do with me, basically. <clears throat> Anyways, so sort of fast forward. Um, so 2016, I am actually back at work. My kids are teenagers. And my whole perspective, like I was not in the cannabis world, like my experience was cannabis. Like I kind of liked it when I was in college. I liked it, but, it, but I didn't hang out with the stoners. I thought they were going nowhere. You know, that was my understanding. I thought it was bad for your brain. Like that was really my belief of cannabis. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just didn't really use it. And then I had a couple of mom friends. This is true. So my kids were little, I had a couple of mom friends and we would find like, like a little bud, like a couple little buds and we'd go far away like to the beach house, you know, <laughs> and we'd smoke it and feel great and then feel a little guilty that we were smoking pot. Like, anyway, so I just didn't understand what cannabis was, obviously. Um, all right. So 2016, my husband, and I go to Denver, Colorado. Okay. <laughs> and I, ha- I call it my cannabis awakening. Is that where everyone has their cannabis awakenings? <laughs> a lot. I think that was, you know, we've all, I think most folks know that that was the first state to go legal. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll- California had it a little bit, the medicinal side, I understand, but they went recreational with it. And that was, that was groundbreaking for the nation. It was nation. So it was 2016. And um, my husband and I, we went there just for fun and we decided we wanted to do a tour of the legal industry. And I'm not really a party girl. So we hired a woman named Goldie Solodar 
She has a business called City Sessions Denver, and she does these private tours of the industry. Um, so she picked us up and she had like a bunch of products in the back of her car, like a vape pen and some gummies and whatever. And she's like, try it. You know, we're like, <laughs> really? <laughs> And then she took us to a grow facility. I have pictures of us in this grow facility, you know, like, you know, logged us in. It's all very secure. And the guy was like an MBA who knew everything, like up to the light use and the water and when this room full of drying cannabis, I had never seen anything like it. And I remember asking him about the smell. I'm like, well, what do you do about the smell? You must smell all the time. He's like, we love the smell. <laughs> um, and then she took us to a dispensary. And it was like just you know, what a dispensary is just people going in getting their stuff, talking. There's nothing scary, nothing weird. And um, I kind of knew everything I knew was wrong. Like that was sort of my epiphany. Everything I knew about cannabis was wrong. So that was 2016. Um, so, yeah. the, so, the, so the dispensary experience, are you, is that in comparison to like a traditional head shop where you go in and there's like all just kinds of crazy stuff in there? Is that it? It was, it was like a it was like a little house. It was adorable. We sat in the waiting room with like a, there was like an older dude in there. I think he was wearing overalls. That might be my like missing purpose. But I just remember being like very like cash. And there was only a nice little room. And the woman who helped us, you know, she explained the different products. You know, there's like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's gummies and vape pens and chocolates and tinctures and flour. And, you know, it's overwhelming. And she was very helpful explaining what the different products were. And it was just it wasn't what I thought it was basically. Anyway, so we come back to Massachusetts. I don't, I'm, I'm not planning on working on cannabis, but my kids are teenagers. <laughs> we sit them down and we're like, kids, everything we know about cannabis is wrong. And they were like, yes. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine that. <laughs> you're like, what is wrong with our parents? Anyways. And then um, 2016 Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is where I live. We had a vote and we um, approved adult use and we were the first state in New England really to approve adult use in 2016. And then at the end of the year, the contract position I was working on ended. And then in 2017, I just became like an invisible middle-aged woman. I could not get a job. No one could figure out what to do. I just, it was, it was ridiculous. Anyways, so then I'm like feeling kind of sad and purposeless and depressed and my kids are about to launch and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And I just start meeting all these other women who are literally just like me. I'm like the tip of the iceberg. I'm 56. So I kind of grew up with Title IX. I played sports, you know, whatever my brothers did. My mother said I could do too. There was no like real distinction. So I just assumed that's how the world was, but it isn't. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I, there's like a word for women like us, women who chose to have children and chose to stay home, who have degrees and whatever. We're called relaunchers because we're trying to relaunch into the world, mm -hmm. but we have to get more degrees or we have to get more experience. And my goal for cannabis is that, you know, I'm a generation of exceptional women, but we can't even achieve like mediocre men. So <laughs> we need to be able to create a business culture that says, you know, exceptional women can take time off and care for people they love and come back in. Men can do it too. Like we need to create this culture. This is what I keep. This is my dream for cannabis. Anyway, so I'm meeting all these women. I'm a natural advocate. I start advocating for women who can't get jobs. My husband is getting very worried about me. <laughs> what, what was he getting worried about? What, what was he's, like, he's like, you're getting distracted. You feel very, per you know, you're, 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 you're sort of like spinning down this weird road. He's like, maybe you need to talk to somebody. And I'm like, okay. Because I'm starting to feel very bad about myself. Like there's something wrong with me. 
because I can't find work, basically. Anyway, so I go into therapy. We do some of these like um, professional testing. And she's like, you know, you really could not have designed a job that was worse for you than family law attorney. And I'm like, yes, I sucked (laughs) at it. (laughs) But I could see that all the law firms were the law firms in Massachusetts. It's a pretty small community. We're setting up cannabis law divisions. Mm -hmm. And this was new. Like it was literally new and you never get to be part of something new. Yeah. So I was like, what do you think about cannabis? And she was like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So um, that's kind of how it started. I just started learning about it. That's how I started to get into cannabis. I thought it would go into law. That's how my weird cannabis journey started. That's that's really cool though. I mean, because that's life. I mean, I, it's more exciting, I think. I even like, I'm, I know that you had, there are definitely hard times when you're like, hey, you know, you're trying to figure out your way and everything. Those aren't, those aren't the most comfortable of times, but at the same time, here you are. Oh yeah, I exist. Are. I do exist. And there's a lot of us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All these women along the way. And it's really cool when you realize that you're not alone and you're in yes, this- exactly. And you're in this new industry and it is just, as you said, it's, it's emerging and it is, it is bustling now. Mm-hmm. And you have the Canna Mom Show. Yes. Talk to us about the Canna Mom Show, please. So I was doing this whole thing, you know, like most smart women, I don't just jump in like the dudes, you know, we have to do everything right. So I started learning, like I started learning before I really jumped into this and I heard the word endocannabinoid and I went to women empowerment groups and I was meeting women from Tokativity and I people were talking about love and justice and kindness and hope and I'm like that's not how the law works <laughs> you know but I did go into this for money that is sort of the joke of all of this that I went in for money but now I'm an advocate anyway so I was spending a year learning and like meeting people but because it's so new no one seems to have money yet like no one's really hiring and I don't really know if I want to do law again. And I don't know, it's just, I was kind of like doing like a spinny thing and um, I just wasn't quite sure where I fit in. Anyways, so I was at an event in Boston in 2018. And um, so Massachusetts came in medicinal first. So okay. basically anyone with capital, it was basically capital, it's capital intensive. So you came in, it had to be seed to sale. So basically it was only white dudes who actually were in the industry at this point who had money. So I'm at a meeting in Boston and there's all the white men and they're giving some kind of talk. And I'm like, I'm going to find a job here. And I met a guy who wanted to start a cannabis podcast company and he hired me to be his executive producer of his podcast. So that is kind of how I learned the industry because I would bring on people every week. Every week I would go out and find like a doctor or a product manufacturer or like a, I don't know, it touches everything, right? Criminal justice to cosmetics. Like every week I would find somebody new and I knew that it wasn't you know, I knew it wasn't just dudes on their couch eating Cheetos. This is not what cannabis is. And um, <laughs> I could see the industry like that. I was, you know, like 2018, 2019. I, I was starting to see it emerge. Right on. Right on. So <clears throat> it sounds like it's definitely cannabis has definitely influenced the way you view the world. How had how have you uh, did you did you grow up with a worldview and, and did you do you adhere to a worldview or, or how has it changed? Well, actually, let's start off with this one. Did you grow up with a worldview? Uh, yes, I am um, Jewish. I'm a Jewish woman. I grew up as a conservative Jew. I'm now, <clears throat> excuse me, a reformed Jew. And I am actually very active in my temple. Um, you know, I like, it's sort of a culture thing being Jewish, but it's also what I think of religion is 
there's a million ways to live this life. I've been all over the world. I've traveled everywhere. I've seen all sorts of things. I've studied religion. And what I was given is Judaism. And this is sort of how I understand this unknowable world. That's how, how I function. So that's how I think of my religious faith. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Right on. So you were, you were raised in Judaism and you are now, you sort of reformed Judaism. Mm -hmm. And what is, what is that about? What does that mean? So I'll say as a conservative Jew, um, more adherence to rules and more hierarchy in terms of women and men in my synagogue. So as a young female in the conservative movement, I wasn't allowed to be on the Bima on Saturday mornings. I had to do my bat mitzvah on a Friday evening. You know, there were still restrictions about what men could do and women could do in that world, which, you know, my mother was sort of a feminist, but that's where we grew up. You know, we had a kosher home. Um, you know, our, my cycle of my holidays is very different. Like our Jewish New Year is next week. So that's our big day. We're getting ready for that. And, you know, I don't do anything around Christmas. You know, but this sort of the cycle of my life is different. Reform Judaism is much more egalitarian and there's much more leadership. The feminine leadership is strong. Okay. And there's, um, if I'm going to believe in a faith, if I'm going to have some kind of belief, I'm going to believe in the feminine divine as well as the masculine divine. So we don't really talk about it that way in Judaism, but that's how I think of it in my head. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And do these folks know you uh, are in the cannabis industry? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm very, I'm very involved. So I'm actually, I sit on the board. I'm like, you know, I, I go to services every week. You know, everyone knows me there. Um, and everybody you know, knows you as the host of the Cannon Mom show too. Oh, yes. You know, we do these retreats, not in person anymore, but we used to do like our, you know, our annual board retreats and, you know, icebreakers and stuff. And the first time I talked about it, I think they're all like, what, really? But I brought in, like I had the sisterhood group. We brought in a speaker, a cannabis doctor a couple of years ago when we were still meeting in person to talk about this. Uh, people are very curious. I, I do a fundraising event every year. So I involve like I had CBD honeys and teas as giveaways this year and you know, people know who I am and they'll talk to me about it. It's like when I was a, when I was a practicing family law attorney, people felt very free to tell me about their marriages and their divorces. Yeah. yeah. And now people feel very free telling me about the cannabis stories, which apparently everybody has a cannabis story. I didn't know this. <laughs> I thought like Massachusetts Puritans. I had no idea what was going on. I just didn't know. <laughs> what have you so, so let's 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 go down that road a little bit so you you weren't really thinking that because of uh the historical perspective on massachusetts and the colonization and puritans and christianity and religion all that that all this stuff wasn't going on in the in the in the in the background or underground or whatever you want to call it but it sounds like you've definitely met a lot of people a lot of women that are that are involved with it. And how does, how does, uh, I mean, your synagogue, is it a synagogue that they reformed Judaism? Do they, I mean, any gripes about you being in cannabis? I mean, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's kind of, uh, I think you are the, probably the first person that I've interviewed that has said, I am open with my cannabis use at my place of worship. And that's what I want to like, what's that like? I mean, cause I, <clears throat> I, uh, it's a little weird having this con this conversation, cannabis and Christianity podcast, because 
you can imagine, right? I mean, it's like I I love this. Like on the clubhouse world, there's a clubhouse room built of Christianity and cannabis, and I sit. I used to sit in on that because I just could not believe there were preachers on there talking about cannabis is not the devil's lettuce. Cannabis is healing because this is the universal story, right? Cannabis is about healing, and once people are healed, they are evangelist in this industry. They cannot stop talking about it, which goes perfectly with any kind of religious movement, you know. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so let's, let's go back yeah. to that. So, so how did, I mean, the folks, they, they openly accept you. I mean, most of them, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't make everybody happy. Right. But for the most part, you're not being shunned at your synagogue. Oh, I mean, my Lord, I mean, like I am a pearl wearing tennis playing like white entitled lady. Like I, and I talk about this, the podcast is set up to crush the stigma. I know the history is wrong. I know that we are living in 100 years of an anomaly. Like cannabis has always been part of our medicinal world. I mean, this is just the, the truth of it. And a bunch of white dudes decided it was bad and we're crushing it. We're crushing that stupid narrative. That's what we're doing. And I am an advocate by nature. So if I can't talk about it openly in my own life, then, you know, what's the point of the podcast? And the only person I can't convince, this is the truth, is my mother. But, you know, <laughs> she's not convinced, huh? I've, I've had her on my show. This is true. So she was the last person I interviewed in studio before the pandemic because my guest had canceled that day. And my mother had like come to work. Like it was like, come to work with your daughter day. She just wanted to hang out with me. That's cool. So she was in the studio with me and my guest canceled. So we interviewed her and she didn't want to talk about it. But my producer got her to put the headphones on. So it's an episode called The Canon Nana. And ah, she just, that's what she just we call of, my, that's what that's what my mother's name is too to our her oh, no. <laughs> not the Canadian, it's just the nana right now uh, anyway so anyway so she talked about she talked about like my brother growing pot plants on our roof like one summer and then she didn't know what they were and whatever and then after that i took her to a dispensary this is true i took her to an adult use dispensary and i took her on a tour of a grow facility and she was scaring the bejesus off these people because she just did not believe what they were telling her. And she was a businesswoman her whole life. So she can talk the talk. And uh, I started to introduce a little CBD into her life. But unfortunately, this pandemic has not been good for her and it hasn't really worked. So I feel sad that I can't help my own mother with this product, but I know it's healing and wellness. I know that for a fact. So she yeah. is not in Massachusetts. She is in Massachusetts. No, she's, yeah, yeah, she's here. She's in Massachusetts. Yeah. And, um, so you're saying it, it, it's uh, it has not been available. I, I'm, the, it's, oh, she just she just she not. I mean, I, my mother's 86. This pandemic, the isolation has been very okay, very damaging for her. And um, I you know I talk to a lot of women who talk about you know helping their grandmas or helping their people who are having you know pain and yeah. um, depression or you know the topicals are really the best thing to introduce people to the cells for people who have any kind of pain in their hands and. The tinctures with CBD are really accessible for people, but you can't introduce it too late in people's lives because, you know, there are not other medications and you just have to make sure they feel comfortable with it. So I don't know. And I think that this is something that should be introduced. Women my age and older, we know the least, but we can use it the most, which is another message I have for people because, you know, I'm 56. I feel pretty good. I think a lot of the things, these tinctures and creams and flour are really helping me stay healthy. I agree. I, I have a medical card in the state of Florida and yeah. <clears throat> it's, it is helpful. It is helpful. It is mm-hmm. the CBD right now. I'm using this one. It's a, it's a ratio of THC and CBD. So it's, and that was because I was like, look, I, I don't want to get so high so fast, right? That that's not what I'm going for. I want to be able to enjoy the, 
I want to be able to enjoy it. I want to be able to sit mm-hmm. down with my wife and enjoy this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't use it, but um, I can sit. We she'll sit, we'll sit outside, right? So, so uh, we do that together. And and the T, the CBD in the THC is it's that's been a great that's been a great find. That and the dispensary folks were they were knowledgeable, and I told them exactly what I wanted. I was like, look, I'm not trying to to <laughs> I'm not trying to get so high after one or two hits. That's not the goal. I want to have the medicinal effects as well as relaxation. And uh, they were very good. They're very knowledgeable. And my experiences at the, at the dispensary is, has been same as yours. It, it was not a head shop where you walk in and you just see like posters of whatever on the walls. And you're like, yeah, that's why people call it the devil's lettuce because you got like all these little statues of like little demons and, and like, and this one, I'm like, why do these head shops sell knives and brass knuckles next to bongs? I'm like, what in the world? You know, it's crazy. And it's so, also this idea, like, you know, like they're shifting the whole perspective, like middle-aged women, we have money, like we have money to spend, but we are not going into a shop that makes us feel uncomfortable. And I'm meeting a lot of women up here who are, you know, this is a whole nother industry. We're talking about decorators, designers, interior designers who are working with these dispensaries to make them feel accessible, to make them feel like farmhouse friendly or, you know, to have very personalized spaces where you can talk to your bun tender and not feel like the guy next to you is listening to you or um, how to actually explore the products because the product list is enormous, yeah, enormous. So, you know, this is a whole idea of like how this industry can be displayed and how the products displayed like jewelry. I mean, a lot of these, like they use jewelry cases. If you go to any of these big, yeah. um, um, the events now they're having, the conferences that are coming back, like BizCom, whole whole aisles of just like jewelry people who are getting in because you know they're going to use the cases or the chocolate people who are in it because we're using their molds it's like it literally touches everything but the design of the interior space is going to impact just like your it's set and setting for use set and setting for experience and coming into this so it's really important and that's changing up here too because women are getting more invested in it and it can't just be white dudes designing stuff for you know young white dudes <laughs> Am I in a white? I have white dudes. Like I have I I know. <laughs> my husband, my son, but I don't know. I just, this culture that has been created that made women like me feel like we weren't quite good enough, which is like ridiculous because they're exceptional. I'm done trying to fit into a world that doesn't really want me. That's why I think cannabis is such a great opportunity to build a new business culture because women have power now. Black women, white women, Asian women. We have degrees. We have capital we have business degrees we're not asking permission anymore we can build this and, and we are building it that's sort of the stories of the, of the podcast these women meeting each other and building connections and creating networks absolutely and and the networking is the networking is the artificial intelligence for networking is has never been greater oh yeah the change i mean the pandemic clubhouse and the tokativity online virtual rooms i wouldn't have met most of these women if i hadn't been sitting in my daughter's old bedroom <laughs> for a year and a half right yeah things are accessible and uh so that's still pretty amazing to me that that the folks at your synagogue you know they don't you're you're not you're not you're not excommunicated you're not cast out and i don't we didn't have a i mean we are not a i mean i know christian christianity is a different sort of animal but you know there was no dogma really against cannabis we weren't like there's no preaching against it and my and my rabbi does a meditation on sunday nights like he's pretty um hip, I guess, you know, and, and I've been, we've been doing online um, services since March of 2020. 
So I spend Friday night and Sunday night with them. And so they know me, you know, I'm just a person who's, you know, they, and I, and I do smoke on Friday nights when I'm my Friday night services. Oh yeah. I have like a Buddha thing going. I got candles. I got like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's my time to sort of take a break. I mean, that's kind of what I think of this religion. Like for Friday night is such a great time to put everything down and to stop and to sit and to pray. Yeah. You know, and to really pray and to sort of be present because we don't get to be present that often. It's a gift. And then Saturday to use it as um, a time, you know, we're always creating, we're always making stuff, we're always doing right. And yeah. Saturday is a day to like Sunday in the Christian religion is yeah. to just to enjoy what you've created, to experiencing what you've created. And I think that's something the pandemic has taught us is to slow down. I agree. I definitely agree. It is. It is. It's been quite a year and a half almost two years now. And uh, I think that's great that your, your synagogue accepts you and doesn't, doesn't push you away, doesn't shun you. I think that's amazing. I think that's great. So I'm very happy for you. And I think that's really encouraging. I think a lot of worldviews, religions, period, could learn from that. Because here's the one thing that, here's one thing that really boggles my mind is that a lot of these, uh, and I'll speak from the Christian side, a lot, I mean, I've, I've written a paper on it. And, and there are folks that are just they just want their opioids. They're just like pot is addicting and give us our opioids. Cause that, and I understand that because my mother does have severe pain and she tried CBD product and it helped a bit initially, but her pain is, is really intense. And, uh, and those pills were having an effect on her that were not good. And, and, uh, she's thankfully, thankfully, thank you, God, because she is, doing better. She's coming. She's, she's, she's doing better. I can hear it in her voice. You know, you, when you can hear it and when, when oh, you, yeah. somebody's, you can hear it in their voice, she's like, you, if you can or cannot see their face over video, but you can, you can just, if you see their face and you're just like, wow, you know what? There's more joy in their eyes. They're, they are more alive right now. Yes. You can hear it in their voice. And that is encouraging. That's when you really know, because somebody will say, yeah, I'm fine. And you're like, yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not so sure you mm-hmm. really are. You know, so that's, that's really cool. And I think that what you're doing is amazing. I've been to your website. I've looked at your stuff. Now I heard you talk about the, uh, the topicals and for folks that are, um, our parents' generation, right? We're Gen Xers, Joyce, Mm -hmm. we're Gen Xers, right? Mm -hmm. So we got baby boomer grandparents, right? We could almost say that this is all their fault. (laughs) We could almost say that the counterculture movement is their fault. And so I'm just joking. But my point is this, is, um, is are you finding, because I, when, when I, my mother tried the gummies and she was just like, nope, didn't agree with me. And I was like, try the cigarette, try the CBD cigarette. And she did not want to smoke. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the topicals, what, what kind of things are you, have you experienced or, or are you, are the, the effectiveness of the topicals? Uh, so the first thing I will say, but, CBD, it is the most weirdly overregulated, underregulated industry I've ever seen. So you almost need to know who's growing your hemp and what's going into these products. Like never, ever, ever, ever buy your CBD at the gas station. That is my concurrence. Agree. (laughs) Um, It should be a little bit pricey. It's just really cheap. It probably isn't what it says it is. And I have companies out here in Massachusetts that I like just because they're friends of mine and women I've met. There's a really great company called The Healing Rose who has these great topicals and different scents and different strengths. Um, 
she's got tinctures, but the things I like to put on my hands, what I will say is a lot of these are made with coconut oil or beeswax. So they tend to be a little greasy. Okay. I'm still searching for that kind of perfect cream. Um, uh, Cause a lot of people don't like the way that grease feels. Yeah. But like I have a little arthritis in my fingers. You know, if I feel it acting up, I just put it on and I swear like within moments, it just, the pain dissipates. I do play tennis. So I have some back pain sometimes. And again, I do the same thing with the, um, the topicals. You don't really even need that much. That's the amazing part of these products. But if it's not a real, but if it's not the real thing, it's not going to work. So often people will be like, you know, I tried a CBD something. It didn't work. I don't think it works. So my, my hope is that people will really try to find some good products, try to find like even in almost every state. Now I have friends who are doing like CBD consultations because there are so many CBD products out there and also how to read these labels. One of the big things about not so much the topicals, but any of the tinctures you're taking, I found a they're really mysterious in how you're dosing and dosing is such an important part if we're treating this like for health and wellness. Yeah. So be a little suspicious. If you find a product that looks interesting, but you literally cannot figure out how much a dropper is and the dropper isn't even marked and they don't tell you how many um, milligrams of CBD or CBN or CBG or whatever it is you're taking is in there. Mm -hmm. Don't buy it. (laughs) I agree. um, Yeah. And I do have products that I like. I'm, I am a sponsored show, but this, this, this products I talk about are usually products that I just have tried and liked. But again, um, a lot of this is local. I'm in Massachusetts. There's a lot of really great local companies and they literally do know who their farmers are. Like they know where they're getting their hemp because that is really important. This is a huge, important part of this. The hemp yeah. industry is bigger than cannabis. I mean, global hemp could save the world. That's a whole nother discussion, but how hemp is manufactured and where it is and how it heals the earth and the products you're getting out of it is really important. Right on. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> there's there's an aspect of that that I picked up as quality of life. Basically, you said you're you're still active, you're still athletic, you still like to do things, you still like to move your body, and this is what thing this is the this is the stigma that I agree needs to be removed. Is that instead of taking a pill. Instead of taking something that your liver is going to have to process, whether it's ibuprofen or acetaminophen or something like that, or whether it's whether it's whatever prescription that that some doctor could prescribe, why not try a natural plant first? And and I get what you're saying is that and and yeah, you know, good stuff usually does cost a little bit more money. I get that, and that and that is that's what you want. You want a quality product that you only have to use a little of. That's, that's the, that's the trick of it is you, you spend a little bit more, but you don't use that much. So it's, um, and then it kind of comes back to the whole pill thing. Like, you know, so I, my joke was that when my kids were growing up, I would have to calculate if I could stop at the liquor store between leaving work and picking them up at daycare because (laughs) (laughs) women were allowed to drink. But I know now you know, my friends are popping pills and, you know, we we're very stressed out, but I know now that if I had used cannabis as a young mom, I could have had a couple of hits and I would have been better and healthier and it would have been a different experience. And it's just this idea that you have to be mindful of your body. So I am not a mindful person by nature. I took the bar while I was pregnant. So my mind and my body can completely disconnect. I have proven this, <laughs> you know, and I, I had, that is impressive. That, that's, that's intense. Well, it's crazy actually, but I wasn't the only one. My friend Anjanette did it too. So it seemed normal at the time, but I have learned with cannabis. I have learned to be mindful. I've been even helping my friends learn how to use CBD before they, if they want to try that, 
just being very conscious of how you feel before you take whatever it is you're taking, you know, if you um, have an ache or you're stressed or whatever it is. And then an hour later, come back and think about that. Just the, really the mindfulness of it, which we don't have with pills. We're just like, my doctor said to take two pills. I'll take two pills and they, the pain should go away. It, it's, lit, it's really just a literally different way of experiencing your own health. Absolutely. It is <clears throat> the pill. I think the, uh, it's convenience. It's like, take, just like you said, take two pills and call me in the morning. That's kind of like the cliche, right? It's like, take two pills and call me in the morning. And, and, uh, that's the difference between that and a natural plant called cannabis is that there's a culture to it. And a lot of people, I see more and more articles and stats and, and data that, certain demographic like a majority of the demographics want something that is smokable because there's a culture for it and this is where i think that the stigma for that is needs definitely needs to be removed because there are there is no shortage of cigar bars i mean cigars have taken off cigarettes have kind of died off they still sell obviously but cigar bars have popped up all over the place mm-hmm. and they are they are that's a culture it is definitely a culture. And it's one that I'm not against. People can do what they want to do, but change your mind about this thing called cannabis. And, and as a Christian, I do, I do, uh, I have looked into this. Uh, there's a guy named David Berlinski. He wrote a book and he's written many books, but uh, he was, he is uh, pointing to an explosion of fossil types around the Precambrian era that really looks like it points to creationism. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. And I was like, wow, you know, this is really quite impressive. And when I think about it, cannabis is a natural plant. Now, if I believe in creationism, why would I think that that natural plant is off limits? When scripture has said, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. So that's, that's the... (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that, that's, that's the perspective that I'd. Uh... And, and it's the stories. I mean, I like, I actually like sermons. So on Sunday mornings here in Massachusetts, there's a local radio station that does a, um, a local church service. So I enjoy any kind of sermon. And just the idea that we learn through stories. That is literally what the Bible is. That is literally what the Torah is. These are stories. So kind of back to the Cannamom show. So the Cannamom show is stories about these women. These are real stories of real women doing real things. And that, there's something about stories, specifically anything funny, that seems to allow people to have a space in their brain to maybe think that what they know might be wrong. I mean, it's very, very hard to change people's minds. We know that. We know that for a fact. Yeah. But I just, the stories, the stories seem to like really, I, I'm not a mind, I, I like mind podcasts. I like learning about what's going on in our head, kind of understand that we literally have no idea. But these stories that have helped us live in the world because this world is really unknowable, are very powerful. So I just believe in the power of storytelling. And and I kind of think that's honest. That's kind of like what religion is at this point to me. That's how I think of it. It's, you know, we each have our own stories and this is how we understand the world. And this is how we function because there's just so many choices to be made. I mean, there's so many ways to live. You know that. Yeah. So <laughs> you got a degree in religious studies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what wanna, yeah. What made you want to go after that? Because I know a lot of people who do and, and, and many of them end up working for like, a government department, whether it's Department of State or something like that, something that because you go out into the world and it's like, hey, yeah, you're going to be dealing with all these people from partner nations and other nations. And you, you need to know what 
they believe. Right. Like, what, what is the culture of those people? What is what is the what is the story that that holds them together? Right. By faith. And so, what was it about studying religion that that inspired you to go after it? I mean, I think all of it sort of stems from being an outsider. So, if, I mean, I was a Jewish person growing up in a Catholic, white Catholic community. That's where I grew up in um, in this area. And I always just felt like I was really out of place. You know, I was white, so I fit in and I would go to church with my friends on Saturday afternoons because I had to go to mass and I had to wait for them to play later. But, you know, my Jewish faith really kept me as a, it made me different. So my whole life, and and, a, and the one thing about being a Jewish person in a, a Catholic or a Christian community is that Christmas time was like painful. So anyway, so I kind of grew up in this world and I just always, I don't know, when you're alone, you kind of don't understand what else there is. And then you go to college and you're like, wow, there's a lot of other types of people. You know, I had a friend who grew up in um, Iran who was a Muslim and I had a friend from Thailand who was Buddhist. Like I had just never had these encounters before. And I just started seeing, the joke is we used to go to Sunday afternoon mass with my friend because we liked the father, the the um, college chaplain. We yeah. used to like him. So the, we used to go. It was a like congregationalist, a Jew, a Buddhist, and a, a Muslim. <laughs> That's but so we would go. So I did, it was like sort of a natural curiosity. I think that's where it started. I think that's cool. <laughs> that's because what you're saying, what what you just demonstrated is that people of different faiths can live side by side without killing each other. Yeah, not even right. tolerating, but showing respect. Really, like showing respect. Like that's. I mean, I, I I'm big on this one. People are like, oh, you got to tolerate tolerance. Come on, tolerance. I'm like, I don't know anybody who likes to just be tolerated. That's a horrible way to live. That's a horrible way to live. It's like, yeah, I tolerate that person. That just doesn't even sound good, but it, it's a narrative that gets pushed. And this is where I'm like, you know, a lot of people want to be shown respect. They want to be shown kindness. And here's the thing. If somebody thinks that they got it all nailed down and like, yep, dun, 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 I'm doing it right. And if you're They're not usually doing wrong, wrong exactly, <laughs> my point, exactly my point. And in, in, in the scripture from the, whether it's the Torah to the New Testament, I agree with you. It's a picture book. It is a picture book and it shows you the thing that's amazing about, about the Old and New Testaments is that failures are not hidden. They don't try to say, they don't try to present a, a picture that is inaccurate. Failures are recorded and documented. And it's like, yeah. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody here is perfect. And, and the beauty of the story is like they say, you know, the Torah meets you where you are, which is kind of like why I like sermons as well, because whatever is going on in my life at that point, these universal ideas can be, you know, um, you can be transported into another space when you're just listening to people's stories about something and you can relate it to your own. So that's what I think about Friday nights when, you know, I need a sermon. I need, I need my rabbi to tell me something, whatever the story is that week to explain to me what he's thinking. Cause that always helps me a little bit. And I know that that's, that's the, um, that's the reset. That's the magic. I think. You know what you, you I am this Friday night thing. I think I'm going to talk to my wife about doing something like this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Joyce. We have just recently gone through a lot of changes. We moved and, uh, it's just a lot of change, right? And I think Friday night, that would be really cool. I'm going to talk to my and, wife about And the candles and the Buddha incense. Like I actually do have like a little incense behind me thing the other day and it's on Zoom. We do our, you know, we do our services on Zoom still. And um, they thought 
my incense thing was going. So there was smoke <laughs> behind me. So I wasn't whatever. They're like, oh my God, Joyce, your house, it's on fire. I'm like, oh no, I've got like, I got like a Buddhist thing going here. I got candles. <laughs> I got, I got my Shabbos candles. I got, I'm just, I'm covering all bases. <laughs> so, right yeah. on. Okay. But it, so, it's a time to shut down. It's like literally, I think it's that time to shut down because we don't, we, we don't give ourselves permission to shut down. I think that's really the importance of it. You know, it's almost like you give yourself permission to blow your top on Friday nights. Really, that, that's kind of like the culture, right? It's like, get to Friday so you can go out and get loaded and be hungover on Saturday and struggle to get your laundry done and do all those things that you need to do for the rest of the week, including shopping, because you got to eat. Don't forget you got to eat. And then, and that, and that is really cool. I am, I'm serious. I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk to my wife about that and we're going to see about doing something because we've been talking about it. It's like, yeah, you know, we, you know, as we're getting into this new, this new life that we have together, things have changed. And it's like, I like the idea, Joyce. I really like that. And, and, and I will say, you know, I, at some point during this pandemic, I had six adults living in my house, six adults. Wow. Yeah. My kids are home from college. I do have two Berkeley. I, 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 I'm a, my, my son goes to Berkeley and he had friends living downstairs. So I basically run a boarding house for homeless <laughs> musicians. That's kind of, <laughs> and, um, before they showed up, you know, like they were away and they had to come back. I had stockpiled cannabis everywhere because I'm like, oh, my God, I did not know it was going to be essential. I, mean, I had cannabis, I had cells and tinctures and flour, I had everything. And uh, they came home and we were very good together. We were very calm. We talked a lot. We would sit on the porch and it was just it, it literally changed the dynamics of our house. We don't drink that much. I mean, my husband likes beer, but. I would rather be locked down with a stoner than a drinker. That is what I have learned <laughs> over the pandemic. And it, it strengthened, I think it strengthened our family. I honest to God do. Amen. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's mm-hmm. encouraging. I am encouraged. Thank you. <laughs> Damn, I'm encouraged. Woo-hoo. All right. So, <laughs> so we've talked about what you, how you were raised if, with uh, Judaism and now you're, but you uh, go to a reformed Judaism synagogue. So how do you view the creation of this world i mean is it is it uh per the torah genesis or or not is it a series of accidents that have just resulted into you know this life and and it's just a mistake but we're here anyway or is there a or is there an intelligent designer behind it because it's a pretty complex we are complex creatures and this is a complex environment that we live in and this universe is complex a smidge in the other direction in any direction and it doesn't happen True. what do you think joyce what do you think i mean i do believe in sort of the idea that we are connected all you know the human mind body spirit um i get the inner light i'm not sure that there's I think there's some kind of force that I can't understand. I'm not sure what it is. I think that's what I pray to, but I feel like it's something about the light and the connection, which is really kind of come out of my cannabis world. Really. I didn't believe, I didn't believe in manifesting. This is not my space before cannabis. I didn't really, these women I'm meeting, these like kind of cannabis enthusiasts. And I mean, there are cannabis people who have like cannabis churches, like, you know, this whole idea of light and connection and joy and hope. I mean, that's what I want to believe in. I want to believe that I have like a, the divine spirit is within me somehow. And that's why I'm connecting with people. That's part of, you know, like 
That's why we have community. That's why we exist, really. We cannot exist alone. But I don't know the bigger question. I don't know why we, I don't know why we're here. I have no idea. Oh, I don't say why. <laughs> I mean, what do you think about it? Is it, is it, uh, you know, is it, is the big, well, did somebody start the Big Bang? Was it God that ignited the Big Bang or was it just an accident? Like, you know, this is what a lot of big brains are thinking about. Like, yeah. oh, you know, you got Hawking doing this and all these other people doing this. And then it's kind of like, wow, you know what? It is very complex. And, and I cannot look at this world and life and everything and say, man, if it was a smidge in one direction, all of it's nothing or it's, it, it's, I mean, I've heard, I've heard one person say it like this. It's like a tornado sweeping through a warehouse and producing a Boeing 747 that works, that works perfectly. Right. And it's kind of like, what is the chances of that? You know, it's like, so what do you think, Joyce? I, I really, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't even like form my head around it. Like there's so many things I don't know. I mean, what I do know is that we're here and we exist and that somehow when we work together, we're better. So maybe that is part of a divine force. that's kind of helping us get connected. But I do know that sometimes, a lot of times we let one person make a decision that impacts a lot of us and we don't use our own agency. So this idea that somehow our minds are mysteries to ourselves, maybe because we're connected to something bigger. I have no idea, but we have to keep being kind. And that is really what I hope people take away that we are not selfish beings. I think we are kind humans. I think we really are. I think we're meant to be kind to each other. And somehow we have been, I don't know, conned into this doggy dog world and being evil to people because it doesn't make sense. Like I'm a Jewish person in this world. We still exist. It's like a miracle that we still exist. And what I love about America is that we were free here. Like we could, you know, we were basically left alone, which is nice. It's part of freedom, I guess. But, you know, we weren't hurt and we were allowed to be here. I mean, things are going a little off kilter lately, which worries me. Yeah. Um, but the kindness, you know, we talk about tikkun alum, repairing the world. That's literally our mission is, you know, one person doesn't do it alone, but everybody has to do their part. You know? But that's, you know, that's the connection. That's where we all are. And love one another love one yeah. another try or at least love yourself if you love yourself or give <laughs> this is my other thing i'm like you know what people who are givers are actually selfish because giving is very self-rewarding so all you selfish people you're being stupid because if you gave and were kind to people you would feel better it would be a selfish act so just get that wrap your head around that people <laughs> it is, it is. It, 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 it is an amazing thing it is an amazing thing it is an yeah. amazing thing all right, so you got uh, season three of the Cannabom show coming up, and uh, you are the executive producer and the host. So what's that been like doing that in and out of the pandemic? I know, I mean, aside from like being in person and out of and like over over video or something like what we're doing now, but uh, you you gotta, you got you gotta plan that kind of stuff out. And I, and you are definitely a thinker, Joyce. I can <laughs> definitely think you're in a planner and you have, you're looking for profound, meaningful stuff. So what kind of, what kind of things are you looking for, for this third season? Well, we are moving beyond cannabis. Okay. Because my first guest this season is a woman named Zoe Helene. She's a psychedelic feminist. Okay. And I am starting to learn about I'm starting to learn about psychedelics. So I talk about it like a scared white lady. I don't quite understand it, but um, 
I don't know, this is another plant medicine. And if you're following the world of cannabis, you can see that it's really a business and a lot of this is capital, yeah. mm-hmm. but the world of psychedelics has really still sort of stayed on that medicinal track and the way they've been advocating for 40 years to get it to where it is now, where basically, I think our veterans are going to get access to this for PTSD before they get access to cannabis because they are moving quickly and the federal government is starting to actually sponsor real research and real studies. So this is a really powerful plant medicine that could be very healing for our planet and for a lot of our vet. I mean, all these people, we've had 20 years of war. We were a lot of military people, not to mention just people surviving the pandemic who need something besides popping pills. So I just find the psychedelic world very interesting. I'm learning more about it. I don't quite get it, but I'll be learning along with my listeners. And I'm focusing a lot of the black women in Massachusetts who are building businesses because they need a platform. And um, I want their stories to be heard because they're really doing amazing things and how women are financing their dispensaries and their cannabis businesses is very, very, very different from how white men are. So, so we need to be like? aware of this. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about that. What are, the, what, are the, what are the differences that you're observing? Uh, so first of all, um, they just don't have, you know, we started the discrepancy. Just, we just have to be, you know, open in America. We have like literally created a, a world where we redlined communities, specifically in Boston, where people were getting, where people could live. And a lot of our wealth in this community, especially in Massachusetts, is through our housing. So we have whole communities of Black people who were put in neighborhoods where they couldn't actually access the kind of capital that white people did. So we're actually starting at a different level. I mean, this is just, this is just Massachusetts. So, and we have these women who've been in these communities that were harmed disproportionately by the war on drugs, which didn't work, obviously. And now they are coming back into this. They want to start healing their communities because they understand it. Uh, I'm talking to a woman who's down in Brockton, Massachusetts, is one of these communities that really was hit hard by COVID, has had a lot of um, resources pulled out of it for a lot of years, but people have stayed, it's a very immigrant um, dense population, mm-hmm. and they stayed down there. And um, a, bl- a young black woman down there opened the first adult use cannabis dispensary in her community, and she's giving back. You know, she's doing things with the criminal justice system you know, getting expungements, you know, doing all these things that her community needs, but the way she accessed capital was through family and friends. She wasn't getting access to capital from outside resources. You know, they're, they're building on the backs of their neighbors and their friends who want to invest and white men are still coming in. You know, the medicinal people, you have to, you have to have millions and millions of dollars to set up a medicinal cannabis dispensary. And so they were coming in in that way. So, you know, we're starting at different places. So I want to give people I want these women's voices to be heard. You know, these are small dispensaries and local communities and they are going to be an important part of these communities and they're telling their story and making sure the communities understand what they're doing and that they're there to help them and to be part of it. And they're not a big company coming in to do whatever they want to do. They live there. They, they live, live there. They literally live there. These are their the communities. Are there. Their friends are there. They are, they are the community. They are the community, but, you know, because they don't have access to capital and a lot of this, this is very local politics in Massachusetts. It's a whole, I can explain, they have, you have to get host agreements, which means the local politicians have to approve you before you can even go to the cannabis commission who will give you your license. So Hmm. there's a lot of like, what can can you give, what can you give us? What can you do for us so that we will give you this host agreement? That's a lot of it that's still going on. So these local people who are really trying to get in are trying to get a footing because they know this is their community and they can help. And they're trying and it's amazing. And I like sharing their stories. I mean, I don't do any of this work. I just talk about it. But these ladies are really, you know, they're changing the world. I think that's cool. I think that's really cool, Joyce. 
That is admirable. That is definitely admirable. Yeah. So um, what else besides psychedelics? Uh, you, got, you got anything else that you might have lined up that you might want to share right at this point in time? Because I know not everything you may want to want to share, but if there's anything else you want to share about the Canon Mom show that you got coming up, we're all ears. Um, so I will be in Reno, Nevada at the end of September at the Women in Cannabis Expo. I'll be there for three days. I'll be taking, talking to people, having them share their cannabis stories with me. I'll be doing a panel. I'll be doing some talks. Um, so I'm excited about that. I haven't really left my house much. And <laughs> uh, we are a sponsored show now, which is really exciting. This is on season three. We're think, you know, we're moving our, you know, moving forward. So if you're anybody out there listening who wants to get connected to me and a bunch of can of curious women who like to buy stuff, reach out to me. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's where we're going on season three. And um, I'm just excited to see what happens next. I wouldn't have imagined I'd be here at this point. And I don't know what's going to happen this year, but something good, I'm sure. I think a lot of good stuff's going to happen. I do. I do. I like, you know, I will be ordering a mug. I thought that mug was cool. <laughs> My favorite mug broke about three weeks ago. And as I was looking at your website, I was like, oh, that's a cool mug. That's a cool mug. Joyce. That is perfect. <laughs> well, I, I have lighters now that I ordered lighters. This is no joke. I was going to go to a conference and I ordered lighters 10 months ago. That's they're black. And they say the Canon Mom show on them. They oh, just showed nice. up last week. And, nice. like, and I forgot I'd ordered them. I'm like, yes, so I'll throw in a, I'll throw in a lighter too. <laughs> that's cool that is very cool well joyce thank you very much for your time i've enjoyed it i think you're a unique individual and i think what you're doing is amazing and I, and this is the cool thing i mean i keep i keep i haven't not been everybody that i've interviewed most everybody almost everybody i did not know prior to popping onto this zoom call and one thing that I find amazing is that everybody's looking to help somebody else. It is, it is not, it is not just self-serving all the way. It is because you got, like you said, you have to, you have to, you got to make some ends meet here and there. You know, you want to put, you want to have some, some value to some things, some monetary value. But everybody is their their main mission is to help people. And and I will say the women who. Have I speak to almost to a T have healed themselves or healed a child using cannabis and they want to be that person they didn't have because many, almost all these women were going against the norms of everything around them. Everyone was telling them one thing and they were experiencing something else. You have to be very brave to do that. Like, I don't know if I could have done that if my kid was on those medications and someone said, try cannabis. And I really believe what I believe back in the day. I don't know. But these women are doing it and they're risking and the moms are still risking stuff. That's the other thing you have to remember. Like I'm in Massachusetts, so it's just normal here, but there's still a lot of moms who are risking a lot to, you know, for themselves or if they're doing something for their child. So that's, that's sort of a bigger message that this isn't over yet. You know, we feel like it's just this normalized, but it's not. No, and moms can really use this. Moms can really use this to help. We keep this, we keep everything together. We need to, <laughs> we need to be balanced so we can keep everything else together. Amen. I agree. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And, and that's, and you're right. I think that, uh, but it's unfortunate that, that uh, a mother or a parent should have to risk anything legally to get CBD for their child because their child's having so many seizures, hundreds potentially a day mm -hmm. and the medications, the drugs don't work. Mm -hmm. They make it worse. And yet there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories out there where they say, yeah, CBD improved the quality of life. And that is exactly what we're talking about. 
it, I don't think it's a silver bullet that's a cure-all, you know, but it can improve your quality of life, whether it's, whether it's for a child or, or an adult that's suffering from seizures, or whether it's you want to be more active in your life and you're tired of taking pills. Yeah. I mean, we have, this is what I say to people, you know, like, it's part of the toolkit. We have an endocannabinoid system. It is a, it is a functioning system in your body that our medical professionals don't learn about, but it's coming and the nurses are in it. The doctors are starting to learn, but this is literally a system that works. This is not magic. This is science. And the idea that we have kept CBD and cannabis out of our systems for so long has actually been very detrimental and out of the animal feed. Like this was just part of everything. It was part of everything until about a hundred years ago. So we have a dormant system. A lot of us have a dormant system and which is why we feel unbalanced and which is why we just don't feel quite right all the time. Like cannabis isn't going to make you feel awesome, but you just won't feel shitty all the time, <laughs> which isn't nothing. <laughs> so it, we have to I, think about that. It's a medical, this is a medical. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm not a big drinker. But sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? A glass of wine is is great. You know, a beer, margarita, whatever. I like. And th- and same thing. Same thing. It's like you can you can associate when we we're talking about like, you know, you, you pay for what you get with CBD or whatever. Same thing with alcohol. If you want to drink brand X for 10 cents, you might not feel that great, but that's what you're going to do. If you want to have something that's not going to have you feeling with such a headache, you're probably going to have to spend a little bit more money and get a better quality product. Same concept, same concept, mm-hmm. folks. So, so please be mindful of that. Make educated decisions. If you want to learn more about it, check out Joyce Gerber, thecannamomshow.com on all the, podca- all the podcast platforms you can imagine. <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all those. And when it comes to the CBD and the cannabis, it's like, just like you said, a little bit can go a long way. A little bit can go a long way, and it it is, you know, I'm not going to try to re, re, recreate the experience for anybody who hasn't, but it's effective. If it were not, look at the world now. <laughs> I mean, it's going in that direction. It will be legal federally at some point in time. So it's pretty amazing times, and you're right. It's an emerging industry. Joyce, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Is there anything you want to, is there anything you want to say before we close out? No, this is good. I like, um, these are my favorite topics and I just spreading the, spreading the message and hope you will, you know, tune in and hear the stories of these women. Cause there is somebody you can relate to on my show. I know it is. And maybe this will be something that you can use to heal yourself or heal someone you love, or just to make your day have a little bit more joy. And what, what, uh, when are you beginning season three? I know you're beginning in September, but is there a certain date you want to Tell so us. our first show will be out on Thursday, September 16th. And Ooh. our first guest of season three will be Zoe Helene, who is a psychedelic feminist and runs the organization Cosmic Sister. Cosmic Sister. Far out. <laughs> that is cool, Joyce. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time, Joyce. My name is Miguel Torres. I'm your host. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. We'll see you next week. Love you all.